This is iFanboy Media Explode, episode 28, The Top 5 TV Deaths. Fanboy Media Split, episode 28. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hey there. And Ron Richards. Hello, my friends. And we're here because of the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy who unlock the Media Split show. It's our monthly non-comics media discussion show. And we like to talk about things that aren't comic books, aside from our regular Pick of the Week show and other comic book shows that we do at ifanboy.com. And there'll be spoilers, especially this, this episode, there's going to be some serious spoilers. We'll get to that. Good point. In the main section, the main discussion bit, but there's gonna be a, we're gonna spoil a lot of stuff, <laughs> just a, a lot. I mean, as spoiled as eggs and uh... like not maliciously, like no, no. But I, I was yeah. doing research for the segment, and I was like, I'm gonna spoil myself here, looking up like famous oh, TV deaths. Problem, yeah. And the thing is, we can't cover you here, so we're sorry. So uh-huh. like, it's not even like, yeah, it's not yeah. even like, hey, we're talking about this TV show, and you can choose not to listen. Like, you're going to be surprised with what you're spoiled by. Yeah, so, I, yeah. so, so we're, yeah. we're going to get to that segment in the segment itself because there's, there's a lot of preamble for that one. So, but we like to start off this show as we do every month, talking about what it is we've been watching since we last talked. It's been a while. I think we did this show early July last time, so it's probably been about six weeks since we last did this show. It has a lot to talk about. Who wants to start? I'll go first. So we've watched a bunch of stuff. I mean, Only Murders in the Building is back, Connor. We're enjoying that. We, Me and my wife finally finished We Crashed, the WeWork, Jared Leto, Anne Hathaway thing on Apple TV+. Plus. But I got to give credit in these last six weeks or so since we spoke. I just finished it last night. The Orville, New Horizons. Mm. I'm two back. You're two back. I continue to be fascinated by this show's existence because we talked about it in previous shows. And I'm sure yeah. we talked we talked oh, yeah, about sure. it in, in end of year things. I mean, for before Paramount Plus and the Star Trek franchise kind of got back on its feet yeah. several years ago, the Orville was the best Star Trek show on TV that happened not to be Star Trek. But what it did was it was like it's it came out it started as like a comedic send up of Star Trek mm-hmm. and then slowly evolved into it's just Star Trek. Seth MacFarlane living his Gene Roddenberry dream. And it's been years since the show was gone. It was on Fox, and then now it jumped over to Hulu and stuff like that. So with the Orville New Horizons, not only is it back, the comedy has hit, taken a backseat oh, yeah. to just doing preachy Star Trek, like classic Roddenberry-style me- messaging, you know, the you know kind of episodes with meaning. And also, they just embrace the streaming nature and, like, running time? Screw that. Every episode is going to be a, an hour and 28 minutes. Well, that's why we're behind <laughs> you, because every time we sit down, we're like, you want to watch an Orville? We're like, ah, oh, it's going to be an hour They're and so half. long. And what's fascinating is so it was a 10-episode season, and... They just were like, and like, we're not talking like, and Josh, I know you don't watch this show, but you can appreciate this. We're not talking like they went from being a 50 minute show to an hour and 20 minute show and packed in more story. We're talking about like long sweeping shots of the exterior of the ship, right? It's like Star Trek or just, 1. It's like Star Trek exactly. Or just like really long shuttle 
uh, a shuttle leaving the shuttle bay and landing on the planet for like two minutes. I know. I told right? I told Megan. I was like, they can cut all this. This this is why. Yeah, yes, exactly. Teleporter <laughs> was invented for to cut all the scenes out. My wife said the same thing. It's like this show could use an editor. It's just like really like. <laughs> it's weird because Seth MacFarlane's still like in charge of it. He's the showrunner. Yeah, it's his yeah, show, he's the yeah. showrunner. He's he, di- he directed. He directed. He's the star. Yeah, like this is this is huh. his baby. He writes most of the episodes. So Connor, and I don't, not to spoil anything for you, but I will say, stick with it and finish it because what did feel very like, oh God, get on with it! It's taking forever. Looking back at the season, one of the kind of best crafted ten episodes I think of their entire run of every episode dropping a tidbit that tied into the greater tapestry of the story, callbacks to previous season episodes, left and right character development, like. At the end of the 10th episode, I was like, wow, I really feel satisfied in that I got a lot of Orville, and it was really good. Yeah, no, we've been really enjoying it. It's just a matter of time management. It's like we could watch two Sandmans in the course of one Orville. Right, right. Well, we stuck with it, and we finished it. They did, I think it was like episode six or so, was like a a great mindfuck of a time travel episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, So good. It's been like full-on next generation. I mean, I haven't watched... Brave, Brave New World, Strange New World. What's the new uh, one? Strange New Worlds? That's next. So we couldn't. I, I want to watch Strange New Worlds, but we like I, we can't watch it until we finish the Orville. Right, like, I haven't watched said, it yet, but yeah. this is right. I mean, the Orville is the best Star Trek show on TV. As far in, it really uh, is. That's not Star Trek. The other yeah. But yeah. like, you know, really great. As you said, messagey Star Trek episodes, which is what yep. Star Trek is known for, going back to the original '60s TV series, preachy and judgy, and like, yeah, and it, like it, it is truly the great mix and of the original up too, yeah, and fucked up. It is true. It is a, a great mix of the original series and Next Generation style storytelling yeah. mashed into one. That time travel one was fucked up. The robot one was fucked up, and you find out how the robots yep. came to be. Like, there's some, yep, there's some. Messed up stuff. Really good stuff. I mean, long winded, long winded, <laughs> but but quality. So that's that's my pick for this 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 time around. Uh, I am gonna go ahead and talk about. Let's see. I think I'm gonna do Blackbird. Uh, Blackbird's on Apple TV Plus. It is a Dennis Lehane written showrun six episode series. Dennis Lehane is is uh, obviously like a, a really well known crime novelist, and he's written a bunch of great episodes of The Wire. You know, just some amazing books. He's a Boston crime writer. Yeah, which is kind of what I expected when I turned it on, because like the main character is Jimmy Keene, and I was like, <laughs> okay, here we go. But it isn't that. <laughs> There's no Boston at all. Isn't it partially a true story? Yes, it is. And they show pictures at the end, and it fucking freaks me out. So Taron Egerton. Edgerton? Egerton? Elton John. Ed- yeah, Elton Ed- John. Edgerton. Uh, yeah. Eddie the Eagle, as I call him. Yeah. yeah. Who, I mean, like, this dude never looks like the same person from shot to shot. It is the weirdest thing. He spends half the mo- movie, like, depending on the angle, he kind of looks like um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Bruce Willis in Looper. And then other times he looks like a different person. It's the weirdest thing. And he looks nothing like, you know, any of the other movies that you see him in. It's, it's so weird, his ability to, like, be a chameleon. It's, it, we're just like, who, who is this person? It's amazing. But he basically he plays this guy who is arrested. He's a criminal. And when he is in jail, they, they give him an opportunity to get out because they need to get some sort of information or a confession from a serial killer of young girls, who's this crazy guy uh, who's played by the guy who played Richard Jewell in the movie. He's Richard terrific. Jewell. Oh, that guy. Fantastic. Yeah, he's good. He was also in the Nancy Kerrigan movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, yes. not Galuli. Yeah, he, yeah, friend. He, he was yeah. Galuli's friend. Yep, 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 yep. He stole that movie. He did. Paul Walter Hauser. I finished the show last night or the night before. 
the acting job that that dude did specifically is because he's so goofy and he has a weird face and look and at one point like you see the evil guy and like the actor pulls him out of nowhere and it's amazing also this is the gonna be the last role for ray liotta who plays oh. the haggard father of uh of, of he's big jim keen not jimmy keen <laughs> you know and he's going he's like his health is failing the entire time throughout the show which is like the saddest thing because he looks like hell but he's great in it I mean, like his sort of haggard, ragged voice, you know, like, like, can you imagine how many cigarettes that guy smoked to sound like that, you know? And then, and you know, like the character sort of goes downhill health wise. And at the same time, you're, you're, I, I'm having a hard time going, well, he's really sick there, you know, like, I don't know. But uh, all of those sort of three main characters were incredibly uh, compelling. There is one thing that is ridiculous mm-hmm. is that at one point... He turns out that this guy is in prison with Vincent the Chinigante. Mm-hmm. And they introduce him and it's um I forget the actor's name. It's it's uh you can look it up at some point. But all of a sudden, like they introduce him and I'm like, the chin is in this? <laughs> and there's no real reason for him to be there. I think he was like he was mixed up in it in the real story, but if I was looking at plot wise, there was just like, here's a threat. We're never gonna mention it again. But it was it was sort of out of the blue. Either way, really well shot. Greg Kinnear is one of the investigators. He's fantastic. How long is the episodes? Uh, they're like an hour. They're not. It's not like super long, so it's six one-hour episodes. Okay. Um, but it's worth it. There was little bits of writing and acting that sort of went together, and I just thought that is like you couldn't get away with this on most TV because it was just so smart. It's hard for me to explain why, but there was like psychological manipulation kind of stuff that was happening that was really brilliant. And I was like, oh, that's because that's a novel writer. It's not like the best show I've ever watched. I expected something really amazing, but it's really, really good. uh, And it's compelling and it's great acting and writing. Apple's very quietly putting together a strong. I'm telling you, there's no filler. Like if you like one of the things, you're going to get quality out of it. They spent the money on it. For my money, you know, there's there's not a bunch of junk there. There's only these shows that we tried really hard to make good, and, and a bunch from our. I wasn't going to watch Severed, but everyone won't shut up about it, so. Yeah, I, I know, yeah, and I, Severance I is on the list. I, the problem with the Apple TV Plus stuff is just that it, I mean, we watched, Re- we crashed on it, and it's like, I had a combination of just like, I don't have motivation to go back into it to find more once you finish one. Like, I feel like the discovery experience in the app isn't, and maybe that's because there's not as much stuff, you know? But then at the same time, like I knew Blackbird was out because Leota died. But other than that, I didn't hear anything about it. Like it's the same Netflix problem, right? Severance seems to be the only thing I consistently hear people talking about. I have a feeling Severance. that like That's other right. than a couple of the shows that become culty things. So you're Ted Lasso's. Well, yeah, obviously it's a big Mythic hit. Mythic yeah. Quest, right. But like the other, yeah. like it almost feels All right, like Mythic Quest is so, coming back. They're so niche that they're a little under the radar. But I, right. mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just a firehose problem. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it's and and you have to have your algorithm work. Like, I went to go watch Sandman on Netflix, and apparently the algorithm thought I had no interest in it at all. I had to search for it to get the pop-up yeah, on my yeah. screen. It wasn't even on my... It That's was the week crazy. it came out. It wasn't on new releases. It wasn't on featured. It wasn't on, like... It wasn't on any of my... Same thing here, like, because we've been watching Russian Doll season two on Netflix, and I haven't got... I, when Salmon came out, I even know it was out until a couple of days after it was out. I was like, oh, I did, you know, it didn't even hit me on the... In, on the I, did this I had show. a friend mention it, so... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing I think with Apple TV Plus is that, like, if you hear about one of those things that you think you might like, it's probably a pretty safe choice. Like, they're not putting out garbage. Right. Yeah, I've watched a lot on the series in the past year, on the platform in the past year, so... Yeah. yeah. They're also, like, in, in business with Tom Hanks now, so that's that's good. Yeah, mm-hmm. HBO's loss. 
Sorry, I just I, ju- I just finished the book <laughs> yesterday, the, the HBO oh, book that so Connor good. got me that that took that took like uh, years off my life and trying to finish. So like I'm all like HBO, let's talk about it. Cobra Kai season four, I finished watching on Netflix. Did I miss season four? What happened in that? Season four has hit the point where I wasn't, I didn't see the movies. So like it's stealing with the fallout from Karate Kid Part Three. Which oh I right, saw with the ponytail guy, with Terry Silver. Yeah, this is this is the old this is the old season. It came out like around Christmas. So you, right, I didn't watch about... it at the time, so I got just it. watched it. Okay, got it. it. I thought a new season came out. I'm sorry. No, it's coming out in a month, which got is it. great because I just finished four. But yep. it's not you know it's not as good of a show as it was in season one. But it's still a really fun show, and I still really like to watch it. I still think that um, the main guy, why is his name escaping Zabka. me? Zabka. Zabka deserves all the Emmy awards. Yep. Still, he's great. He's great. He can still pull off the most ridiculous dialogue and make the character likable. It is amazing. It's still over the top and silly. And like, I love the idea that everyone in the Valley cares about this karate tournament. Right. Like it's, it's a big deal, (laughs) but it's fun. Like I have a really good time watching it and I'm always looking forward to the next episode. So I think that's a success in my book. Yeah. Reservation dog season two started up uh, only a couple episodes into that. It's not quite as good as season one. It's sort of got season two syndrome where they don't seem to know what to do with the characters at the moment, but they added West Studi and some other people. I'm enjoying because I like the actors a lot, but it doesn't seem like it's, it's cohesive yet, which is only about two or three episodes into it. But the main thing I want to talk about is, you know, it's not a new idea, but the idea that streaming services do TV shows really well, but they just the movies just don't work. Over the past weekend, I watched both Prey and The Gray Man. Everyone's been raving about Prey. I enjoyed Prey. Yeah. There's things about it. It's not a streaming movie fault. It's just like... I was talking to our, our buddies Hank and Mike afterwards about it because, you know, I'm a big fan of that first Predator movie. It's a classic in my book. Sure. It's an 80s yeah. classic. And the limitations of the technology at the time made it a much more interesting movie. It's like the Jaws problem, right? You can't show the Predator mm-hmm. all that much. When you do, he's a guy in a suit. But the guy in the suit was much more compelling than this, like, CGI Predator who can jump everywhere and do crazy things. And then they, when he right. cuts people up, there's fake blood flying everywhere. Just there's a remove from a CG character fighting people as opposed to a guy, you know, real people fighting. The movie was good. The main girl was good. They probably should have put it out in theaters. It was... Yeah, I got to wonder if they're regretting that decision just because of all the buzz it's been getting. It's like, I guess it's the the highest performing movie released on on Hulu Hulu ever, right? Highest performing anything on Hulu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like Predator, it was fun to watch. I enjoyed watching it. But I watched it back to back with The Gray Man and I don't remember anything that happened in The Gray Man. I've never even heard of that. It just went one into my brain and went out again. Like it was just so innocuous. It had a lot of people in it. Like that's the only thing I remember about it was like more and more actors kept showing up that you know. But like it was just a lot of people shooting at each other or stabbing each other, and there was no real reason or to care about any of it. Is that the Ryan Gosling one? Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and Anna De Armas and Billy Bob Thornton. And there's a bunch of other people that, that show up later on. That did pop up, and Lindsay's like, "We should watch that." And I was like, "I feel like I don't want to watch it." Like it just like didn't. It's the Russo brothers. Oh. It was shot really well. The action scenes were that I remember were interesting, but like I don't remember the story. I don't remember why anyone was trying to kill each other other than Chris right. Evans' character was an asshole. You know, there's some funny things happen and they're all charming actors, but like I don't I mean, I don't know, man. It's just weird. It just didn't stick with me at all. Like where I saw Bullet Train on the theaters. I loved Bullet Train. It was stupid oh. and silly and funny. Well, I mean, it goes back to it, and I know the answer to this question, but if you went to go see Prey or The Gray Man in theaters, would that have enhanced your experience? And it totally might have, you know? Yeah. I'm harder on Prey than I should be. Prey was fine. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It was The Gray Man more that I was thinking of where it was just like, everyone was talking about this huge movie that came out. 
I couldn't tell you the log line of this. I couldn't tell you the story. Right. It just was like a lot of things blew up. Do you think that that has something to do with the fact that like if you, you're, and you're not bad about this, but if you're at the theater, you're engaged. If well, that's what Ron just said. Right, I know, but... but <laughs> Not if you're doing a podcast, though, Connor. <laughs> no, obviously. I don't know. Well, no, I thought we were talking about the idea that, like, because we've talked about this before. Like, they're just not exciting when they come out on TV, because it's just on TV. Right, yeah, exactly. And, and like, you, and you're, you're, you're... I mean, we've talked about this on the show all the time. You just said that, Josh. Yeah. But, like, you're prone to distraction. You press pause to go get something. You're holding your phone. You know, like, you know, one of the kids makes a noise. You're more likely to get up and yeah. go to the bathroom. Exactly. Oh, for sure. Exactly. Like, I went yeah, up and made yeah. another drink. Like, it's not the same experience. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's hard in that sense. You don't have that, like, I drove here. I paid for this. Right. <laughs> I have to try to make it work, you know? Right. Like, the, yeah. like at any point when you're watching a thing at home, you can turn it off. I do it right. all the time. You know, right. like, I, I don't know. I'm just isn't doing it. The problem with doing that is it stays forever in your continue watching list. You're just like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to watch that anymore. I tried watching crazy. it yeah. seven oh. months ago. I'm not yeah. going to watch it. Anyway, <laughs> Prey was fun, but it just felt a little bit from, removed from a CG standpoint. But Gray Man, I just was like, I don't understand. I don't understand. But anyway, that's, it could right. have been my problem. I had like five Mai Tais. <laughs> I mean, listen. It was. I was. It was. It was reveling. I'm gonna watch movies and drink my ties. So that was the stuff we watched the last six weeks or so. Things we've enjoyed. Let's move on now to the main event of this episode, the top five TV deaths. And I'm gonna let Josh explain. But first, I want to say these are really, really bad spoilers. So there's no way for us to delineate them. Meaning, we can't list characters in the show notes. We can't list shows in the show notes. No, you got to tune in. You got to people. People have chosen to tune in to listen. They're going to listen. They're going to be entertained, right? And we're right. going to draw them in with the prospect of talking about our favorite deaths in on TV shows. My right. guess is a lot of these deaths happened a while ago. That's um, with us. We are. We're, I'm guessing we we're going to pick from fairly. Are, no, I've got some. I've got some. I've got some old ones on mine. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Right. But I think it's important before we get into this. And, and yeah. uh, well, actually, I mean, uh, Josh, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I, I feel like a well-executed TV death is a trope that is welcome and when executed well deserves a ton of respect. Sure. Right, wait, wait, before you get Changes that, the game. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So the idea here is that we are going to introduce a series of top fives into our media explode rotation. We've chosen the first one. Which is TV deaths, deaths of characters Dex? on television. TV decks. Dex? Dex? Deaths of television. Oh, I did the wrong thing. <laughs> television characters on programs we watched. Yep. Deaths. And ascending order of it's just and it's like it's like pick of the week. It's what so are we, we gonna go around robin like each one do our top our five, then we do our four, then we do our three. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, so we're, we're doing that. We're, okay. we're not. Yeah. We'll see how it goes, and then we can mm-hmm. we can use this format. We can refine this top it. five format. This championship vinyl format. I do want to thank the patrons. We had our patron hangout last week, and they helped us pick out yeah. yep. some top five topics. We threw out some ideas. They threw out some ideas in the yep. chat room. We picked a bunch. This was the one we wanted to do start with the most because we've been talking about doing it. I think the preamble that Ron is getting into is sort of like, there's the comic book death, which is like, you won't believe what happens. It's shocking. It's whatever. There's the sort of like, you've known a character forever, and it surprises you. Or there's the character where you you've known it's coming and you have to wait for it and go through it all. And it's like, like when you rank these, like I was doing it sort of how it affected me. Not right. like that was entertaining, but it's like how much I actually felt for them as if they were real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think it all wraps up in the same thing, right? Like it's yeah, entertaining from a appreciation of a story standpoint, but also right. like an emotional standpoint. And, 
as when we go through ours, I have like, there are different reasons why I find my deaths to be my favorite, you know, like because right. they have different effects on the show um, in different mm-hmm. ways. And that's why I don't think like, you know, death with anything, dealing with loss and dealing with death, you know, like, you, you know, it comes, sometimes it comes from out of nowhere. Sometimes, you know, it's coming. Sometimes, you know, like you, you either, you know, are devastated by it or, or, you know, the person who deserves it gets it on the show or whatever it is. There are all these different kind of levers that can be pulled with it. That's why I think I find it right. so compelling. Yeah. And if we were like horror movie fans, this would be yeah. a completely different thing. Yeah. yeah. It is interesting how death has become a th- on TV because you had a whole string of shows where death was like a feature. Right. You know, I think it started with like The Sopranos where people started assuming every week somebody was going to die. Right. And then it was like The Walking Dead and then like Game of Thrones. It became like who is going <laughs> to die this week? And it almost became like a game where you lose the shock and emotional factor of it. Yeah. Like most yeah. of the deaths I have save one total surprises you yeah. didn't go in expecting them when you turned the show on yeah that makes it a very different experience than like you know game of thrones i almost made a no game of thrones no gray's anatomy no walking dead exemption well if, if we want to make that rule then i'll pull because for i actually had much you like when we, when, no, when, okay yeah sure. yeah when i was yeah. researching like i was yeah. like jesus is anybody left alive on this show yeah. <laughs> i'm for uh, a generation yeah <laughs> So let's start, I guess, right? Anything else, Josh? You want to say anything? This is your no, I idea? think we're good. We're, we're All right, so, Josh, so, so lay the ground rules, Josh. How's this going to work? All right, let's, uh, let's go around five descending to one. Connor, kick us off with your number five. We're all going to do number five. Yeah. Yep. Okay, got it. And all I right. think we're going to see a crossover, crossover. Only because we all watch a lot of similar shows. But sure, sure. Yeah. I'm curious. So my number five is, I struggled with this. I, had, I, have, I think I originally wrote down like 10 right off the bat. I have another five right away, ready to go. And then yeah. I was like, I thought about it similar to what Ron said. Like, what was the one that really affected me emotionally at the time and that I still think about sometimes? And so I had to go number five, Lucy Knight on ER, season six, episode 13. And strangely enough, a lot of the deaths happened in season five and six. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was one of those ones where I remember distinctly watching it in college. And I was living in L.A. in our apartment. We were all watching ER on Thursday night because that's what you did. And I remember by the end of it, I was standing next to the TV because we couldn't believe what was happening where she, you know, a mentally ill David Krumholtz grabs yeah. a knife in act one and uses it in act three. Well, not really. There's a lot more acts in TV. It, it, it was so shocking. It shocked, you know, and then on top of Lucy, Carter being stabbed in the same attack in the hospital. Oh, and he became it. an asshole after that. <laughs> it changed the show a lot. I mean, Carter's character changed completely from the trauma and the drug addiction and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I can still picture Lucy's face on the floor yep. Yep. looking at yep. Carter and her looking at her and it still gets me. Because we all liked Lucy. Lucy was really sweet and nice and she was played by an actress whose name... Uh, why didn't I write the actress's name down? Kelly... Kelly... Kelly Preston. No. Kelly nope. Taylor. <laughs> Kelly Martin. Kelly Martin. Kelly Martin. Kelly Martin. Kelly Martin. Yeah. Lindsay yeah. and I literally call her Obla D because Yeah, we'd seen her on that, that show. Yeah. That Life And so she'd on. been around and... It was just so shocking and savage, and I just couldn't believe it. So that, that that had to be in the top five for me. It also features, I mean, like, David Krumholtz is the most underappreciated actor that we have today. Uh, he's fantastic he's great. in yep. everything. And in that role, he's he's amazing, because you do not see that coming. No. Right. Ron. I'm up. All right. Well, I'm probably going to go for my number five. I didn't look up. Do I have to look up, like, what season and episode they no, died no, in? I, I didn't did know. No, no. Connor had it. Yeah, okay. Had Jesus. time before the show. I remember being completely shocked by the suicide of Lane Price on Mad Men. Oh, mm-hmm. good one. Yeah. He's on my alternates. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. I just remember, I remember, you know, like watching him slowly go down the drain in terms of like the pressure and like everything that was kind of going on and all the sh- the stress of Sterling Cooper, Draper Price, and then to have it happen, you know, the way it did in the office and all that sort of stuff. Just yeah, it was. Uh, it- yeah. It was so like you just were watching his life fall apart. He wasn't even supposed to be there. Yeah. He didn't want to go. Exactly. He tried to make a go of it. You know, Sinjin was mean to him. And we all loved him too. He was so yeah. nice and he, he really wasn't as sort of I don't want to say evil as the other guys right. in the, but like just not as bad of a person as the other guys in the, in the yeah. thing. Yeah. It was, yeah, and the and the money it's just like it's it's just so yeah, it just and that's the thing, it's like he didn't want to be there, but then he he got seduced by the lifestyle and he could be Don and he could be Roger, right? Like and kind of he tried to be one of them and it was exciting and it was, right. you know, and New York and all that sort of stuff. But then that was a jump up T V moment. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. like you Yep. Yeah. Totally. Uh yeah, that was that was well done. It was very good. All right. I am going to go with oof, I'm, I'm I'm having a last moment thing here, but I'm gonna go with Rocket Romano from ER. Wow, that is one of those cathartic ones because he like he's so awful for so long, so awful. That's not the arm though, right? He survived the arm. No, yeah, no, that's the first helicopter accident. Right, the second <laughs> helicopter accident is when it falls on him, and he in my mind he said not again, but he didn't really do that. <laughs> and, but but like. So this last time that I was watching through it, like I knew it was coming, but I really didn't know when. And so after he gets his arm cut off, like he just gets worse and worse. And and you're like, you're because it's TV, you're kind of waiting for a character to be redeemed in some way. And it just never happens. I was like, I can't believe yeah. a character this just irredeemable is on TV for this. Long. It's not he's not evil. He's just a shithead. Yeah, right. Like when he goes down. No one feels bad about it. Like they have a memorial service for him and no one wants to speak because no one likes him. It's so interesting for TV. But he still uh, was a nuanced character, an interesting yeah. character. But, but, ha- but to drop a helicopter on him after a helicopter <laughs> cut his arms off, that's just like to make that work, that's really yeah. something. Yeah. Yep. You know, thinking back to Lucy's death, that was his like one real moment of rede- not redemption even, but that they had a heart was when he couldn't save her and he like you know, toss yeah. the instruments against the wall. Like that was this one moment of, oh, he's got a heart in there somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he was an asshole. <laughs> I liked him. I love him though. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I enjoyed him. He was an entertaining. He was entertaining. It was definitely yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My fourth one is a tough one because it's the death of Bill McNeil on news radio. Ooh. Season Ooh. five, episode one. Oh, wow. Wow. Which was aired four months after the actual death of Phil Hartman, who was murdered by his ex-wife yeah. or his yeah. wife at the time. You know, when I looked up a bunch of lists just to kickstart anything I completely had forgotten it online about you know TV deaths, and I was reading a the Decider article about this. They said it was like watching a funeral. That's basically what it, like what it was. I, I remember <laughs> yeah. also watching it in LA, I think. And you know, the cast is like losing it throughout the entire episode. I mean, it's not even about yeah. the de- it's not you know he's not in it. He's dead. It's not even it's not even about his death. It's about the fallout of his death. Up to the very end where they're reading these letters that he wrote to each person on the event Ooh. of his death. And you can see each one of the cast just, just weeping in it. Yeah, the, oh, the, the, oh, that's bad. That's rough. I often think about that episode a lot, too, because of the true emotion in it. And that yeah. they were able to turn that into something very moving. I mean, that's something where the show never recovered from. No. It was still a solid show. And they brought John Lovitz on, who was his friend, and to sort of take his place. But it was never the same show after that. Yeah. 
I don't know, way back at the beginning of the pandemic, I bought the DVDs and we watched through three or four seasons. And I've actually never seen that. Mm. And I didn't really know. Again, I didn't really know when it was going to happen. I, I knew it was coming at some point, And I think I was really close, but I, I kind of didn't want to. Like, it's oh, hard to watch. Show. Yeah. This show without him would be, but it's got to be cathartic for everybody. Yeah. Ugh. That, you know, like, that is, I mean, if you're going to talk about, like, celebrity deaths, that one haunts me. Because it's just so wrong, and he was just so good. Who does Phil Hartman remind you of? No one. He's a singular. He's a. Ca- he's truly a character. Talent. He's yes. truly a character. Yep. Conan O'Brien said that like he literally always walked around talking like that too. He's like, I don't know a thing about him. I, you know, <laughs> I've been around him like he was entirely enigmatic. He's like, you get up in the morning, let's go, and he walk away. <laughs> just yeah, the strangest thing. It's a good episode, though, Josh. If you've never watched yeah. it, it's. I will. It's, I'll get to it's it. It's a good episode, and yeah. it ends on a funny joke. It's a, it's a good episode. It's a funny show. Yep. My number four is the death of Tony Marchette, played by Rebecca Gayhart on Beverly Hills 90210. Hmm. This leads me to a question I can't ask, but I'll know at the end. What do you mean? It's okay. Uh, well, I'll let you know at the end. That was, okay. That was, you've surprised me, but not. So for those who uh, don't know, this is in season six of Beverly Hills 90210. Dylan's father was in some sketchy dealings. Many seasons were spent of Dylan trying to find out who had his father killed. And in doing that, he discovered that it was this, this, this real, real nefarious guy, Anthony Marchette. And in trying to investigate Anthony Marchette, he discovered that Anthony Marchette had a daughter, Antonia Marchette, Tony Marchette, and sure enough, Dylan and Tony fell in love. (laughs) And so what you then had is you see Dylan coming out of the darkness of the shadow of his father and the shadow of his father's, you know, kind of missteps and his father's death. And even though he was like on a path of revenge, love was going to set him free and it became very much Romeo and Juliet in 90210 world where <laughs> right where the bad guy's bodyguard found out about Tony and Dylan and it was a secret and they were going to run away together but then the bad guy Marchette found out and sent someone to kill Dylan and it's a rainy rainy day and the cars stop and then the guns happen or whatever but no it was Tony driving Dylan's car Oh no, the irony. Yeah, and I and I will never and it was like, oh man, can this guy just not catch a break? And just the <laughs> shot of Dylan holding Tony's dead body in the pouring rain next to his, you know, classic Porsche, you going screaming, No was became, you know, kind of iconic, iconic death of Nato Two and What happened to the Porsche? Dylan still drove it. Okay. No, I think he put it like into storage. Like it went away. Like he couldn't drive it, like that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Lindsay said that one of your lists would be Dylan's father. Oh, no, no, no. I, well, yeah, yeah. She's close. She's close. <laughs> didn't the actor, didn't she fall into disrepute because she ran over somebody with her car? Yes, she did. Fascinating. Uh, who, Rebecca Gayhart? Yes. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, wow. she, yeah. She was up and slide. coming, and then she yeah. backed over somebody. Yeah. My, my wife just texted me funny, because I guess she's listening outside the... <laughs> what, what season was it? <laughs> season six. <laughs> How soon after did he leave the show? Not a- so this was November 1995. He left the show after that season. Basically, this was his exit ramp. Yeah. yeah. And then he came We're back. definitely and, not getting to the second topic today. Then, then, he, came, <laughs> then he came back to in season nine, uh, addicted to heroin. Oh, boy. But yeah. Sounds goofy, but time-wise, I'm like, yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's yeah. a thing that somebody that, in that no, position would do. Brandon, they killed her. They killed my baby. So, there you go. Josh, number four. 
I am going to go with Bodhi from The Wire. A lot of people died in The Wire, but late in season, I think it's in five, we had gotten to know this kid, Bodhi, who's one of the hoppers from the street and he becomes one of the drug lords or whatever. But because the show had this even-handed thing where you realize that people are just kind of products of their environment doing what they have to do to survive in it. So at the beginning, Bodhi, like he killed Wallace which is like one of the worst things. That's the other, like, there's a bunch of deaths on that show. And that was shocking and everything. But Bodhi, like, he did one of those things that my favorite kind of TV has somebody actually develop and grow up. And he grew up in this world that he lives in, and he wasn't necessarily a respectable person. But there's a scene just before that where Bodhi comes out of, there's a scene early on where Herc and Carver arrest him, and they all, like, they're beating him up, and then they start playing pool, and they grow this like grudging respect for each other yeah they have like lunch together yeah well by the end of the season mcnulty comes to pick him up as he's coming out of jail and they go and they have lunch together and they just talk almost like peers they're work colleagues in the cartoon when like the cat and the mouse like check out and then they go have coffee together Mm. you know i love those i love like when they punch the clock right (laughs) Right. And, and and like you get this sense like oh this this kid grew up in these really hard circumstances and it's just a very complex character. And then he's, he's killed on the corner, like right after that. And it's such a dumb thing. And, and what's happening is that Bodie's whole, the, all the gangs are changing and shit. So he's like this one guy left on a corner and he's like, I'm going to stand here and he gets shot down, but he gets shut down for nothing. But to him, it was about honor. And then, you know, they cut to McNulty, like sitting in a park, like thinking about him. And, and I, it just, it affected me in a way that I did not expect and it happens every time I watch that show. There are 10 other characters on that show I could have written that about. But that was the one that sort of came to me uh, that I decided to go with. Is that your only wire one? Yeah. But I, Interesting. I, mean, I could do five wire ones. Not Wallace. Wallace is early on. You don't know him so well. So given the fact that you get to know a character and just sort of the turnaround and the irony of you're actually getting to the point where you care about what happens to this person, I think makes it more impactful for me. Number three was... Well, the most recent one in an era which it's hard to keep things secret, and therefore the death of Will Gardner in season five of The Good Wife was a shocker. In a list full of shocking deaths, probably the most shocking death because it happens in the middle of the season, towards the end of the season, like probably two-thirds of the way through the season. It wasn't promoted. It wasn't talked about. It wasn't hinted at. They did such a good job of hiding this one. Yeah. He was one of the main three characters on the show for this all you know this five season show. He's a lawyer and he's murdered in the courtroom. I just completely shockingly, and I just remember sitting on the couch with my mouth hanging open, just sort of like, "What is this? Can't be happening. Surely this is not actually happening." It wasn't like a season finale. It wasn't like a season premiere. It wasn't like sweeps. It was just like this random episode. The one of the main characters randomly gets murdered, and it was just and and was, changed uh, the course of the show. Yeah, or I mean, for the better. It was a ninety degree turn. You know, because you know, because the thing was is that if you watch The Good Wife, Julia Margulies play, uh, you know, Alicia Florrick, and she was married to the governor, who was who turned out was in propriety, went to prison, and like all this sort of stuff. But Will was her college, you know, will they, won't they, sweetheart type. Yeah. Found her, you know, being reunited with him in in later in life, and it was like you were just waiting for them to happen, but. You know, Connor, what happens when they get together? Like, the show's not interesting anymore. Right. So how do you mix it up, right? And this was a tragic way of mixing it up. He wanted off the show, but also... Right. Which helps, but... <laughs> it helps, but but if, if he's the one character that you pull out that affects every other main character. Yep. He was a tie. He was a connection to... Yeah. Right. You could pull Diane out, and she's not going to yeah. affect Alicia's character as much as 
you know, but you pull Will out, suddenly right. every main character's life is now changed. Yeah. And it was very powerful and shocking and sad. And I don't remember the last time I was that surprised by something that happened on a show, at least, you know, in the, in the network era that, you know, didn't get leaked out. It was pretty amazing they did that. Yeah. So this was on my list and I pulled it out at the last minute because I knew you were going to have it, right? <laughs> but, yeah. So it's definitely, I mean, the, the six to 10 list, this is like number six for me because it was such a moment on that show that just totally changed it. Yep. I have a number six that is just killing me here. <laughs> yeah. So what's your number three, Ron? My number three would be Gary Shepard on 30-something. Ooh. So if you watch 30-something 30, 30 back in 1988 to 1991. <laughs> so if you're Ron or 60. <laughs> Basically, the whole premise of the show was it followed, what was it, seven friends who were in their 30s, right? And two of them were couples with kids and, and three of them were kind of hopeless single types and, you know, a career type and an artsy type or whatever. And Gary was really, he was kind of the on again, off again with the artsy type with Melissa. But, you know, he was the best friend of the main character, Ken Olin. And he was, you know, kind of longer hair, you know, kind of, you know, this is the late 80s, so like, you know, reminisce it back to protests of the 70s and things like that. And, you know, he's a professor and we get to know him and that sort of thing. And a lot of his definition was through the dysfunction of his relationship with Melissa, who was Michael, the main character's cousin, you know, will they, won't they, whatever. But then Gary met another woman and they had a kid and he became a stay-at-home dad. And like, it was kind of like a life turning things around. And then... Gary was on his way to visit their friend who had cancer in the hospital to bring her book and died in a car accident and just completely out of nowhere, don't see it coming. And then it proceeded to affect everybody on the show for the rest of the show. And whether you like it or not, they had him come back as a ghost, you know, like in terms of like in the character's heads. But it was a very and at least for me at a young, impressionable age of 12 watching this, it really kind of imprinted the wrestling with grief and how you deal with the loss of someone that you, that you don't know is coming. Right. Really well done. I mean, this is, you know, Edward Zwick and Marshall Herskovitz, you know, who kind of like set the template for the late 80s hour-long drama. And, and My So-Called Life came out of this grouping and with Brothers and Sisters, whatever that's like, there's such a, there's a through line in ABC dramas from Zwick and Herskovitz and the show won a bunch of Emmys and stuff like that. But this is just an example of just how good the show was. Yeah. Have you seen it since then? Like if you watch like that episode, a couple of times, not recently, but it's it, it definitely did stick with me. Like I remember shots from it and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't, again, I don't really revisit TV as much as you do, Josh. No, I know that. But. Yeah, once and again, that's the show that it was related to. I remember I watched that show. My number three is Dolores Landingham from The West Wing. Oh, oh good one. She's on my six to ten. It's one of those things where sort of a minor character, and I'm trying to remember what the name of the episode was. The two two cathedrals. Sixteenth and. Cathedrals. No, no, the one she died was was the street she died on. It was 16th and something. Right, right, right. And so she went to go pick up her new car, and Charlie was uh, teasing her that she should have got the tow package, and she didn't, but she was so happy she was going to get a new car, and she'd been through it. She lost two sons in Vietnam, and she was just this motherly constant. Yep. Motherly is almost not, not exactly right, but... She she filled uh, in a matriarchy place. matriarchy yeah, and, yeah and she just you know she was she was Alfred she was President Bartlett's Alfred yeah and 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 we had seen the past I don't know if we'd actually seen that episode yet I think so we'd done flashbacks and she'd known him since he was a kid and it just like if you'd have told me like hey in this episode Mrs Landingham's gonna die and I I you know I'd have been like all right no big deal but man the way that they played it like it is 
crushing. And that probably has a lot to do with the reactions of, you know, Bartlett and of Charlie and all the people around, but they're just shocked by it. And then it leads to Bartlett ends up doing that thing where he's in the church and he's yelling it and like, what do you want from me? Which should be super, super stupid. Yelling at God in Latin. Yeah. Two Cathedrals was the next episode. That's one. Yeah. Two Cathedrals is the one that I'm thinking of that sort of is the, what happens right after. But just the way that that came about and I just I just remember like it, it sucked the air out of me and I didn't it was know a it was brilliant coming. piece of writing because she, yes. that whole sequence of her being excited for the car was the comedic relief in that episode that went through the entire right. episode like every time we went to her she was it was another joke about her buying the car and then you know the stinger is she died and Charlie tells everybody and his face dropping when he gets the phone call yeah. you, you just weren't expecting it no. and they just kicked you yeah. in the gut with it and everybody all the characters who you love their reaction to it like amped it up a ton right such a surprising thing and just how it's it's stuck with me all that time so i'm glad that josh you did not institute the no Grey's anatomy rule because my number two is george o'malley season six episode five so that's the second season six one with a two season six two season fives on my list i mean technically you just pick any character from well that's the one i I think about because i just remember the, the, the claustrophobic feeling of helplessness in that episode of you know, this guy who was helping someone on the street, I'm trying to remember the details because it was 25 years ago. This guy <laughs> helping someone on the street gets hit by a bus and he's all mangled. His face is ruined. So they, they've been saying. working on him the whole episode, Ugh. trying desperately to save him. And he keeps trying to communicate with them, but he can't. <sighs> the whole time they're talking about George and reminding us that his nickname was 007 because people are constantly dying because he had a license to kill. Oh, man. You know, so he's a writing out 007 on, was it, it was Meredith's hand, right? Yeah. And I just remember her saying, oh my God, it's George. And I remember like gasping all of the air out of my lungs in the gasp that I made. So not to take anything away from that moment, because I did watch and that was the same thing. But, you know, I know ER is a big uh, through thing. ER pulled this 10 years before this happened with Gant. Yes. When yes. Gant, yes. you know, threw himself in front of the train and comes in all mangled and th- they're working on him and yep. Benton is yelling, well, someone page Gant, someone page Gant. And then all of a sudden a beeper is going off and it's Gant's beeper on his body that they're working on. It was like, oh, it's Gant. So, yeah, yep. it's, it's definitely it's the ER jump scare. Right. Like, yep. I think the difference is that and I actually had watched Grey's Anatomy at this point. Gant wasn't actually around that long. Right. And O'Malley was, was a heart, a heart of the show. He was, and he was yeah. an OG cast member. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you didn't, for, he, like, by the time you started to know who Gant was, he was gone. Like, right. And, you know, he, like, he was Fair. kind of sad. Yeah. And it, it wouldn't have had the same back. Same same move. There's a terrible part in ER where you can tell that Grey's Anatomy is on the air and they're trying to catch up and do stuff like them. Yeah. They start with music at the end of the episode. It's like, what the fuck is this? Change this. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> That's the one. I mean, lots of people died, and there's, there's. I've, I've got a, another Grays one in my six to ten list. I moved my Grays to my six to ten list because I, gr- I grouped them like Star Wars, where you asked me what my favorite movie is, and I, ha- I have to choose the original trilogy just like all together, right? Yeah. And so like George O'Malley, obviously Derek, Denny, you know, just like, like it, it's Denny's almost in my six to ten. Yeah, Denny. I almost Denny put was Denny brutal. on it, and I didn't even remember what it was. But yeah. I was like, I remember that was fucked up. Yeah, Denny it's the was the only brutal. star making one of all these yeah. deaths. He, he, he became a star. After yeah. That. He's died on many shows. Yeah. He, that That's was the thing for a thing. while. Is he would go on shows and die. Yep. He died He'd on weeds. He, he just was died. so charming. Connor, do you remember all the rings? 
<laughs> we, inter- we, we interviewed him when he was in the Watchmen movie and he, uh, on the press line. He, he died stepped, first thing in that movie. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and he just steps up and he's got like full so charming. Arizona cowboy gear with like lots of rings and, and, and was just so nice and so charming. Like that was great. Jeffrey D. Morgan sucked you into his universe and you stayed yes. there until he left. Like it was just yeah. like Ron and I basically were floating off the ground when we talked because he was that charming. He's like, oh, this is a... This is how a star is. Yep. Anyway, oh, George yeah. was my number two. Ron? Yeah, that's a good one. Well, my number two is, is similar, and I'm sorry, Josh, or you, if I pull it away from you, but my number two is uh, in the same vein of hospital drama, but I, I, I can't even talk about the passing of Mark Green on ER. I, just, I can't talk about it. Like, it's, it, even though he wasn't even on the show at the time. Like that. That's then what I will when it comes around to me. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's that's what I think is so powerful about it, and shows just how great Anthony Edwards' character on ER was. Is that he wasn't even on the show, and we find out he we find out he passed from a letter, and it just it, I can't talk about it. it just breaks it just breaks my heart. <laughs> he puts it up on the board. Yeah. I'll get to it. My number two uh, is Gordon Clark from Halt and Catch Fire. That's on my six to ten list too. That. It's the one I think of, basically, after Mark Green. The thing about Halt and Catch Fire was, and at this point, I'm like, did anybody watch this? Was it just us three? You know, (laughs) but it had the best character development. There's about seven or eight episodes into the first season. They figured out who these people were and what they were going to do. And from that point on, that show was full steam ahead. Yep. Um, And if you've ever tried to watch it and you're like, "Eh, I watched like half the first season, like you didn't quite get there. When they go to Comdex... It locks, and then and then everybody gets nuanced, and it's wonderful. I think I skipped a season, or I don't remember. Continue. I think, sorry. I think you didn't watch the first season. No, I did watch first season. And I was like, "This is not good." And then Ron convinced me to watch season two. Oh, so I good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you, and you're fine from there. Yeah. The point being, like, this is the same thing I was sort of mentioning earlier, like with The Wire, is that this this show skips time, and so by the time you get to the last season, you know, this it's twenty something years later. And everybody's gone through their lives. So Donna and Gordon have broken up. He's been through a bunch of stuff, but he'd had this neurological disorder that's sort of been coming along, you know, in the background for a while, and he wasn't talking about it. And he'd been through some shit, and it felt like he finally got stuff together. And then he's just, he's gone, and there's this really sad, I don't remember the death as much as I remember when they're in his house afterwards packing up. Yeah. And, oh, Christ, what's his name? The the Texan. Joe. The Joe. No, not Joe. Not Joe. Oh, the ta- oh, oh, oh. What was his name? No. He was on Pete and Pete. Dez, Bez. Boz. Boz, Boz. John Bosworth. Boz. Toby Huss. Bez. Toby Huss. It was Bez so, for the Happy Mondays. So Boz, he started dancing. Boz. Boz. <laughs> and he saw Ben from the Mighty Boz Stones. He was like, hey. Boz is, he's trying to, what's what's the girl's name? I can't think of the girl's name. The blonde girl. Oh my girl. God, Josh. You're killing us. He's, no, it's not the point, but he tells her, he's like, have some chili. Yeah, and she's like, I don't want each other. Like, I think you should have some chili, Cameron. And it's just Cameron. like Cameron. Yeah, I knew it was a C. And and it's just this, it's just this other sweet moment. But it was so like I cried. Yeah, like when that happened, I just didn't expect it to come, and I didn't expect it to affect me so much. But those characters were so good. Those are like my favorite. That I, that's like the best character development I've ever seen on a TV show over the course of time. Both of those Paper guys Girl. are writers are writing on Paper Girls. Yeah. And Cantwell is writing for Marvel too. He's he's sure. writing yeah. Iron Man and yeah. But oh, that Gordon Clark that killed me. I when I watched it again at some point and it was just as bad. It was almost worse because you you know you really get to know them. You and so, yep. Ron, I'm gonna have you do your number one first. 
Okay. Well, my number one is a little unconventional, but it is a death that impacted the entire direction of the show, and it's, it's Laura Palmer on Twin Peaks. That is very unconventional. You didn't even meet her. All you had was a photograph of her as a prom queen, and the entire, the entire mystery is all tied to her death, and the death carries through the entire show, and it's through the journey of the first two seasons and the prequel movie, Fire Walk With Me, that you then learn about her, and also, of course, reading her diary, right, which it was published in book format. It's dirty. It was a TV show death of a character you never met, but you, you met through the world that she built in the town, in the small town, and everyone that she knew. I think it spoke to the concept of a death in a TV show as the basis for drama and building from there, you know, so it, it, you know, definitely impacted me. You know, I, you know, I was in eighth grade when it came on and just the idea of storytelling and David Lynch and, and Mark Frost, what they did with it and just, you know, launched one of my favorite friend, you know, franchises, whatever you want in terms of uh, media properties. But uh, the death of Laura Palmer is one, whenever I think of TV death, that's, you know, it, you know, who killed Laura Palmer was a mystery for the country for the entire year. Everybody was enthralled in it. I thought about, Several Twin Peaks characters, and I had to eliminate all of them because I couldn't couldn't deal with it. Right. Well, it was yeah. just, it was just <laughs> too. I, I mean, her actual death in the film is fucking oh, crazy. Yeah, it's but like, yeah, yeah. Like I thought about Maddie for a minute. I was like, no, I can't even think about that. Yeah. Without yeah. losing a night's sleep, so I took it off. Yeah. Josh, I'm gonna count down three, two, one, and you and I are gonna say our number ones together. Ready? Okay. Three, two, one. Mark, Mark Green. Green. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't talk about it. Stop. <laughs> I'm going to let you, Josh, because you just rewatched the show, so you, the details are fresh in your mind. But I'll just say that this is a character death that we constantly reference with the three of us and is guaranteed if we send each other a YouTube clip from that episode oh. to have the other person yell at them for being an asshole, for ruining their day. I've got goosebumps on my arm just thinking about it right now. So, Josh, you just re- recently rewatched ER. Why don't you talk about it? You know, Mark Green is the character who's on at the very beginning. He is the one who, quote-unquote, sets the tone, uh-huh. uh, as Morgan Stern tells him, and then he later passes that on. And, like, he's he's guileless. He's this good guy. For whatever reason, they chose somebody who's kind of an average-looking person. He is competent at his job. Uh, you know, you watch him sort of grow up over it. He got married young, so he had a kid, and he had all these things. And then stuff just kept going wrong for him. And, you know, it starts off at some point in the first, maybe second season. He gets a shit beat out of him in the bathroom. Oh, that was brutal. deal with that for a really long time. And every time they go back to that bathroom for the rest of the series, I'm like, get out of there. (laughs) And then, you know, he breaks up with his wife. He has all these problems with his daughter. He finds love a second time. And he finds out he has a brain tumor. And they cure it. And you're like, awesome. We're good to go. (laughs) And then he's in the hospital one day. And he has some more aphasia. He can't say the words. And he just accepts it. He's like, I'm done. You know, like he understands it. And it, it, like, that's how he walks out of the, out of the hospital. Well, the, epi- it's the, st- the episode before where he, the, the little girl, you were my very last patient. Mm-hmm. And the oh, father yeah, yeah, just yeah. talking about of, the, of his days, like, he just says, you're my very last patient. And you're not expecting it. You're just like, wait, what? What's happening? Right. Exactly. Like it wasn't like a plan. It just happened. Yeah. He walks out. And then... The premise of the of when he is sort of ending is that he, I can't talk about this, he goes to Hawaii with his daughter and she's having all these problems and she's acting out and she's doing drugs and she's sleeping or whatever and he makes a list Ugh. of things that he has to do and like number one is fix Rachel mm-hmm. and it is like he's 
he's trying to help her and she's still pushing him away at certain points because she's sad or whatever. And then he's married to Dr. Corday and she comes out and they have a new baby. <sighs> the real brilliance of it was that they flipped it. They didn't do the Hawaiian episode and then the episode in the ER. Right. They right. did the ER episode where his friends and family finds out that he dies. Right. And then and we Carter go back to Hawaii. reads the letter to them. Yep. Oh my God, I can the, still see him when he, oh, the his whole, face changes and he yeah. swallows. And uh, oh, Why are you doing this to I mean, me? Why are you just doing this to me? It's, it's faxed in. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it was faxed in. in. Yeah, yeah. Corday sent it. Yeah. And then he pins it to the bulletin board. They stick it to the bulletin board, and then you see other characters who weren't for the, for the reading yeah. find yeah. out, and it's, it crushes you all over again, and it crushes you all uh-huh. over again. The only sad thing was, you know, the limits of actual life and TV was when they had this funeral later on. It was like they didn't have any of them. the original cast was none of them right. were there. Yeah, you're like I'm pretty sure that dog would have flown in for it. For me, it all goes back to I mean, it's it's that last time he's leaving the hospital when he tells Carter, yeah. "You set the tone," right? Which is just like which is which is so so great. And then it's that scene, you know, where you know Carter's reading the letter, and and it's just the the choked up moment, and it's it, it, oh, it just it. It just it just kills me. It just even you know, thinking we, about it kills me. He was such a good person. Yeah, and you, you, know? you go to Hawaii and you see like he's sure of himself in a way that he hasn't been. Like he's like he figured everything out at the last moment, and you know he's spending time with his daughter, and it starts to go bad a little bit, and and he's just sort of is learning to appreciate. And he's he's on that he's on like a deck, you know, and you hear the music, which is the Hawaiian version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. You can look it up. That guy's dead too, which I can't hear that song anywhere. In the world without being like, yeah. oh, man. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. It's it's so terrible. And he's got that big patch on his eye. You know, but it's also like, it's it's sweet. He got to sort of, he did kind of go out on his own terms. Oh, for sure. Like he, yeah. and, and before that, he's like, they were like, well, we can take you back. And because he found this like miracle surgery, you know, with one with, I can picture the doctor, you know, he's like, well, I know what I'm doing. Nobody else can do this. And you're like, wow, <sighs> this is some TV shit. And it fails. And and then he goes back to meet with that doctor, and he's like, nothing I can do. It's so evil. I mean, we should all be so lucky to go sitting on a chair in the Hawaii. Yeah, I know. Of all ways to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. God, Josh. He got a baby daughter he never even, like, really got to know or spend time with. Oh, Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, jeez. It's brutal. So those were the top five TV deaths. Wait, I don't want to go through a whole conversation, but let's do some let's do some uh, notable mentions. Okay, like what what were you upset about not being able to put in your top five? Captain Cold on Legends of Tomorrow. Huh. Oh, good one. I always thought uh, Len Snart was, he was such a great character on The Flash, and he went over to Legends, and he was great, and he sacrificed himself in the finale of one season. And the way comic book shows are, I was convinced he was going to come back, and they brought the actor back in different you know, kind of incarnations yeah. here and there, but they never brought Len Snart back. And it just, and yeah, I, the, the yeah. multiverse brought him back, but yeah. not the original. Yeah, exactly. And it just, I, and I, I was always, I was certain he was going to come back somehow, but he never did. I mean, Mrs. Landingham, we mentioned Wall, uh, Wallace, we mentioned Denny Duquette, we mentioned one of them I, I put down, I wasn't sure. Um, but I still think it's a good one is Lady Sybil and Downton Abbey. I was wondering if you had, I, for, I saw Matthew Crawley and I was like, eh, and then I saw Sybil. Yeah. I was like, all right. That was unexpected. And she Sybil's was, was like, all again, kind of like George, where you're just like, wait, no, stop. Someone stop this. And, you know, right. that stupid doctor couldn't stop shit. He's a he bad came out on the, the most recent movie, and I hissed at the screen because he, he let Sybil him. die. Hmm. I thought, you know, Ron, I thought for a second about putting Sam Beckett, but he didn't actually die. No, he's just lost in time. Uh, but he never came home, so he's, he's some point he dies. But Marissa Cooper on the OC, that was shocking. 
Mm. Also about Coach on Cheers. Uh, That's another Bill McNeil situation where the actor died. I had Adriana Laserva at number five. And I still think it's the most affecting of the Sopranos deaths because, I don't know, you think of Sill one way and then you see him, like, yanking her out of the car by the hair. He ain't so funny no more. Ugh. It's it's terrible. One thing came up, Connor, you'll remember this one, is uh, Curtis Lemansky from The Shield. Mm. That's a grim way to go. Ooh, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> he threw the grenade in the car, blew him up, and he was still alive for a while. <sighs> Interestingly <sighs> enough, Peter Horton played Gary Peter Shepard, Horton, right? yep. Yep. He and Canelo both turned into TV directors, and Peter Horton directed episodes of The Shield, Josh. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty surprising that nobody mentioned um, Nate Fisher. I, you know, I, I wrestled with that. Would probably be, He'd probably be in my 10 to 15 list. But the thing yeah, was, yeah. everyone died on that show. And yeah. the show was about death, right? And so, like, it was it was less shocking when Nate Fisher died than rather than when he got sick and dealing with that. But it was, yeah, but yeah, I, I did think about it. The way that he died. Yeah. Narm. Yeah, Narm. There's lots of deaths on Lost. I mean, it's not, I want to say it's an easy thing to do, but it, we spend so much time with these characters, so something happens to them, and it just it affects us much more than like a, a movie death or something, just because right. we've spent hours and hours with them in our living room, as we like to say. Brutal. Ooh, all right. Well, What's really funny, though, is that we thought we would need a second topic. I know. We were worried that we were going to blow through this too fast. We have a second so. topic all ready to go, yeah. and we don't list. need it. And we have an email we don't need either. Mm. Oh, well. We'll do those another time. We'll, we'll do top five, you know, recurringly. Recurringly. But next month, we're going to come back with our other recurring segment, which is Old Men and Old Movies. And we're going to review the Poseidon Adventure. Oh, we're doing that? We, deci- we decided that? Yes. All right. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm in. The Poseidon Adventure, if you, if you want to play along at home, is currently for rent on Apple and Amazon. So you can watch those before our next thrilling adventure. So that's the episode for the month. Thank you for all those who listened. Thanks for the patrons who, who unlocked it at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Thanks to Josh and Ron. We do our regular ifanboy pick of the week show every week where Josh and I and special guests talk about comic books. We do our booksplode and talksplode shows. Uh, Ron does all about Android. We have all kinds of things going on. And we have a lot of fun. Any final words? Just, you know, just uh, have a good time all the time. That's a movie that would have been in my top one was Eric's WK. <laughs> All right. So until next month, which we review the Poseidon Adventure, my name is Connor. I'm Ron. That makes me Josh. Thanks, everyone. Ooh, someday you wish upon a star. Wake up where the clouds are far behind. Be where trouble melts like lemon drops. High above the chimney top, that's where 